I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun. The topic today is about the power in being big. At 8.15, we're going to talk to Doug Silver, the coach of Kai Lenny. Kai Lenny rides the biggest waves in the world. Last year, he won the championship riding a wave. He's Hawaiian, but he went to Portugal to ride a wave that's 70 feet tall, skipping down the wave like he's on a skateboard. He was Fearless and is fearless. Well, his coach is Doug Silver, and we're going to talk to him at about at 8.15. But it made me think all week about that power in art, in sports, in surgery, of just bigness. When Wilt Chamberlain came to me in my office, and you'll see on Twitter a picture of him next to me with his arm around me, towering over me. Needless to say, taking care of him and his hip was the biggest hip I've ever taken care of because he's seven foot one. And what a kind and gentle soul. The bigness. Take a look at those big waves at Mavericks, at Waimea Bay. Kai Lenny just chews them up. Fearless. Taps into that power of bigness. And in art... A painter in the 1950s, Mark Rothko, came upon a thought one day. Why am I trying to paint nature, people's faces? I'm trying to go after life, the meaning of life, timeless emotions. I can see it in color and what it would do to the viewer to simplify it. But he also realized something else. I'm going to paint the biggest canvases I can get my hands on. Put these giant rectangles of color on giant canvases. And all of a sudden, you, the viewer, get drawn into this painting, like looking at that giant wave in the ocean. Let's listen to Sister Wendy Beckett talk about that moment where color and size of the painting change Mark Mark Rothko's career and life for the benefit of all of us. Let's go to number four. I'm not afraid that you will. It was subject matter that mattered to him. And the subject matter was the emotions, not small personal emotions, you know, up today, down tomorrow, but the great timeless emotions. 
how we feel about death and courage and ecstasy. And he was convinced that if you would just encounter his painting, that emotion would be communicated to you with absolute clarity. There's a lot of Mark Rothko's here in L.A. at the Museum of Contemporary Art. You can go on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper, and you'll see a Rothko painting that I put on Twitter. Awesome. But here is the moment where she teaches us the day Rothko realized big canvases did something powerful. How did they do it? Let's listen to Wendy, Sister Wendy, the nun, number five. So to achieve this, he painted very large. Because in a small painting, big you, little painting, you can control it. But with a large painting, it controls you. You're taken into it. Unless, of course, you look at it from a distance. That killing, assessing look. So to combat that, he insisted that always the lights were very dim. So you couldn't actually see the thing until you were right up against it. And then something does begin to happen. Number six. He painted with very, very thin mists of paint, feathering it on, breathing it on. And you are taken up out of yourself into something greater, something transcendent and majestic. If you could think of a religious painting without religion, this is what you experience here. It's so timeless that when I've had this encounter, I feel to return to the world of time, I have to shake my head and bring myself down to earth again. Mm. Listen to more analysis of the bigness in the canvases and the bright colors and the blending of the colors by Mark Rothko, number, tw number 12. They're a little bit greedy and they, they ask for you to kind of be there with them in order to get something more than oh, it's a red red plane of color or it's blue. To do something more than that, I think, takes some real presence. That's, a, that's Suzanne Hudson, a professor of art history at USC. You folks are so lucky to be able to have her as your teacher if you're blessed to be able to go to USC. Suzanne Hudson, number 13. I can actually stare at it until I empty myself actually feelings until I am only interested in uh, the color that are in front of me or the um, emotional, psychological space that I am in. Hmm. That's Philip Verne, the director of MoCA. You're going to hear him as, as well as the artist Mary Weatherford talking about the power of the bigness of the canvas and the colors Ah, oh, just listen to this analysis. Number 14. In order to see the Rothko, you have to look at the Rothko. And looking means that you need to stop. You need to slow down. You need to let the vibration of the color affect you. You don't do that if you just see the Rothko. It's easy to see a Rothko. It's difficult to look at a Rothko. Like the energy between the viewer and the painting, it's like that, that space, like that space where this thing is happening, it's almost like that's the work of art. You have to slow down. 
how do you slow down when a wave is 70 feet high moving so fast? Well, guess what? You can control the speed in your mind. Listen to Kai Lenny, the big wave surfer, pretty much describe that when he rides big waves. Number one. The best moments in my life have always been in big wave sessions because there's nothing that feels more pure and exciting. The best part is right before I'm about to make it to the bottom and I'm gonna initiate the bottom turn. Usually in that bottom turn, I feel like I have all the control in the world. Here I have the speed of a fighter jet and I also have the imagination of an artist. That's exactly right. He now looks up at this massive wave and starts in his head drawing a line of how he's going to take his board up, sideways, down. He starts painting a picture in his head before it even happens. LeBron James dribbling the ball up the court. He's, his brain is already mapping out the geometry of passing lanes, bounce pass, chest pass alley-oop, or no, I'm just going to take it myself to the hole. This is that moment before he scores, that moment before Kyleni launches up that wave, that space between the viewer and the painting when you look at a Rothko, a giant canvas filled with color. Number two. It's me and the ocean in the most dynamic moment. You're not scared, you're not nervous. Every pressure in the world is completely gone. It's lifted off of my shoulders. There's some sort of tribal instinct that comes out and it just feels pure. And finding harmony in that moment feels like true freedom. Yeah, it's just beautiful to hear him speak. Bruce Brown, my good friend, who made the movie The Endless Summer, in 1965 gets a chance to interview legendary Hawaiian surfer, spirit of aloha, Duke Kahanamoku, and asks him, Duke, you won a lot of gold medals in the Olympics for swimming, but you also rode the biggest wave ever in Waikiki for a mile and an eighth. Which did you prefer? Mm, listen to Bruce Brown talking to the great Duke Hanamoku, number three. Duke, it's a real honor to be here on your island for this Invitational Surfing Championship. Well, Bruce, I am glad you came to Hawaii. For those of you who may not know all about Duke, back in 1911, he jumped in the Honolulu Harbor, swam a 100-yard freestyle, and broke the existing world's record by four and a half seconds. He went on to compete in four Olympic games spanning a period of 20 years, won many gold medals. I've always been curious, Duke, was it more of a thrill for you to win those Olympic Games or ride some of those giant waves at Castle Surf I know you used to ride. Hmm. Number four. Oh, they're pretty, uh, both are quite thrilled, but I think this surfing is much more to me. The greatest thrill of my life is ride one of these big surf with the heavy board weighs about 114 pounds and about 16 feet long. There's a story of Duke riding a wave at Waikiki one day for a mile and an eighth. It's a legend over here in Hawaii, and so is the Duke. People like Duke Kahanamoku, people like Kai Lenny, artists like Mark Rothko, appreciate the power in bigness. 
stand in front of Michelangelo's David, 17 feet high. It goes beyond just being a beautiful sculpture. The bigness takes over. I want you to hear this story of Duke Hanamoku not being afraid of the bigness, tapping into its power, just like Kai Lenny does in 1925, saving fishermen whose boat capsized here in Newport Harbor. And he then gets to meet these men he saved 32 years later. What a story. This is from a black and white TV show called This Is Your Life, 1956. Duke Anamoku went through 25 foot giant waves in 1925 to save these fishermen. But here it's captured in this TV show, This Is Your Life. Let's go to number five. Well, sir, you return from the Paris Olympics in 1924 and lived for a while in Los Angeles. You appear in several motion pictures, right, Duke? One day, June 14th, 1925, you're surfing at Newport Beach, California, when a fishing boat, the Thelma, capsizes offshore under the battering of 25-foot waves. I was with Duke when we saw the boat capsize. There were 17 persons aboard the boat. Number six. What did Duke do when he saw the boat turn over, Tom? <laughs> well, the waves were so high that it was practically impossible to get through the surf. Uh, and reach the people who were in the water. But after many, many attempts, Bud finally did manage to get through the breakers and race out to those survivors on his surfboard. Yeah. Three times, uh, Duke came back from the wreck to the shore, and each time he brought survivors. Of the 17 people aboard the Thelma, five lost their lives, and you alone, Duke, Kahana, Moku, were responsible for saving the lives of eight of the remaining survivors. Number eight. But let's go back to June 14, 1925, the day the Thelma capsized. Here are three of the men you actually saved that fateful day and whom you haven't seen since. From Riverside, California, here is Fred Hawk. And Harry Olin and Edward Steed from Colton, California. And number nine. Mr. Steed, you must have thought it was all over when those waves came crashing down on you, sir. Hadn't have saved me, I'd still oh, be there. Yeah. And so I was having to bring Mr. you Mr. Olin, you get right up there and talk to Duke, too. I know you want to tell him something. Duke, I haven't seen you since you put me on the beach That's at Balboa. Yeah. And uh, you left me there, and we were in a hurry to get back to the boat to make a rescue of the other ones on the boat, which you did a marvelous job of. Thank you. And I have waited 32 years to thank you tonight. Long time, and finally, listen to this old man thanking Duke Kahanamoku for saving his life, for being fearless and going through that 25-foot wave to rescue him, thanking him 32 years later. Just awesome. Number 10. It's been a long time since I've seen you. The little banquet at Los Angeles in honor of the rescue work you did at the beach was the last place I saw you. And I want to thank you again for the rescuing me and saving my life. It's wonderful. It'd be good to sweet little banquet, he calls it, and all Los Angeles turned out for that. That's for sure, right, Fred? And of course, all Hawaii wanted to reward you, too, for your heroism, and they presented you with a gold medal. At the recent Melbourne Olympic Games, 
A thrill went over the crowd every time they saw you. If a shining example of a true sportsman lives anywhere in the world, it lives in your heart. The spirit of aloha, Duke Hanamoku, tapping into the power, not being afraid, tapping into the power of big wave riding. Like Kai Lenny, and like the artist Mark Rothko, blending those colors on a giant canvas, like standing on that cliff, looking out on that massive wave in the blue, green, and white water ocean. What's it like to be out there? Well, we're about to learn. Coming up next, my guest is the great Doug Silva, who knows a lot about riding big waves. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. All right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. You're not going to leave me alone, are you? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Grand Poobah, the Big Kahuna. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Excited to talk to my next guest, the great Doug Silva. Doug, thanks so much. God knows what time it is in Hawaii for you to call in. Man, we really appreciate it. Aloha, Dr. Clapper. Can you hear me okay? Have you heard any of the show so far while you've been hanging on the line? Oh, well, I heard some of the uh, Duke Hanamoku um, wonderful stories and everything. And that's quite, Good. quite the uh, follow-up. I'm quite honored to be followed up with uh, the great Duke Hanamoku, the greatest surfer in the world, the greatest ambassador, um, uh, you know, of our time. And, um, you know, of recent, we have uh, some some, uh, great ones coming up as well, as you know. Yes, I do. And that's what I want to talk about. But, you know, what? even the great ones, they need to be schooled. They need to be taught. They need to have a teacher. And that's what your specialty is. You're the coach, you're the teacher for how a surfer like Kai Lenny can behave the way he does in such a massive wave. But before I get into that, Doug, I want the listeners to learn a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? What did your dad do for a living? And how did this journey of yours lead to coaching surfers of world-class caliber your instructions. How did it happen? It, it happened in um, the Bay Area, um, beautiful Northern California. Um, my um, 
stepfather, he was um, from Holland, and he ended up in Los Angeles and then went to school up in the Bay Area, San Francisco, met my mother, and he was, uh, he was a journalist. He became a, uh, a writer, and uh, he was a surfer band member from Los Angeles, met my mother, and he took me to Santa Cruz one day when I was about seven, six, seven years old. Hmm. On an, on an Ichi Eddie Talbert surfboard, and I was wearing red Speedos, and <laughs> it just kind of came. It just it was just very serendipitous. I remember um, seeing this surfboard in his uh, apartment in, um, I, think we were, I think we were in Walnut Creek or something, and I would take his board and run across, run across the, the, the pool area and get across the other side. And he's like, oh, hey, you're Goofy Foot. And I was like, had no idea what that meant. But uh, <laughs> it, it, from that time he took me to Santa Cruz, we uh, ended up moving to the Solana Beach area down in La Jolla, Del Mar. And uh, we had a beautiful condominium right there on the bluff by Seaside. And, and that, that whole area just had a, a pedigree of, of you know some of the greatest surfers in the world, Joel, Joel Tudor, Rob Machado. Mm-hmm. We kind of had our own little nook in that that space there, and and all the media and all the hype was kind of up more in Orange County. But that's just kind of mm-hmm. like a little brief synopsis of how that kind of I, I um, ended up in the in the surfing world. So I, I really have to give it up to my dad um, for for this wonderful life he has uh, has uh, shown me and given me. I just cannot believe how beautiful it is, Doug, to appreciate how lucky you were to have a stepdad, not your dad, your biological, but your stepdad be such a beautiful part and influence in your life. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, and the, the, the weird thing is, you know, like, it is my stepdad, but it's, it's just, it is my dad. And, you know, like you have, you know, mm. just some... Uh, and and as the years go by, it just you become more grateful and more appreciative, and they're still just happily together. I think forty five, forty five years later, you know they're still wow. they're still there in Florida Beach. My my dad's retired now. My mom is still um, uh, she's a doctor at the Veterans Administration Hospital there in La Jolla, and hmm. I think she's actually at work this morning listening to us. So <laughs> she, you know. Those, those are amazing, amazing people, and they are the, the foundation and the, the true teachers on, on uh, my ability to, to acclimate to all these different personalities and all these different uh, people that we meet in the world throughout our lives. To just, uh, so I'm really, those, those are the, you know, the, the people that really taught me. Um, so, Doug, we're talking to Doug Silva, who's, amongst many things, the teacher and the coach to many world-class surfers, including Kai Lenny, who currently is, without a doubt, my favorite surfer to watch. Doug, I want to play a soundbite. I'm, I'm not only a surgeon, but I'm an artist. I sculpt in marble. And the connection between art and sports and my world as a surgeon, to me, make total sense as they fit together. I want to play a soundbite and for you to respond to it where the connection between sports and art is in your pupil, your student, Kai Lenny. So Steve Paulette, let's play one and two of Kai Lenny. 
The best moments in my life have always been in big wave sessions because there's nothing that feels more pure and exciting. The best part is right before I'm about to make it to the bottom and I'm gonna initiate the bottom turn. Usually in that bottom turn, I feel like I have all the control in the world. Here I have the speed of a fighter jet and I also have the imagination of an artist. It's me and the ocean in the most dynamic moment. You're not scared, you're not nervous. Every pressure in the world is completely gone. It's lifted off of my shoulders. There's some sort of tribal instinct that comes out and it just feels pure. And finding harmony in that moment feels like true freedom. When you hear your student Kai Lenny speak like that, what goes through your mind? But, uh, well, first and foremost, she's not scared. I, I guarantee you 99% of us are scared, especially with the ways that he, uh, he chooses to, to surf in. Um, and his ability to, to uh, transcend fear into energy and into goals and into, like, um, devotion, you know, that's just makes him the quintessential champion. So, and as far as the, um, the artistry, um, I, I, you know, it's, it is a dance. Um, we've, I've always shared the information of a wave being a canvas and each, each of my students are their own um, sculptor, their own painter. And I don't want to necessarily change their painting style or their culture. Uh, sculpting style. I, I just I'm here to enhance their their clouds, make their clouds fluffier, make their clouds brighter, make their rainbows um, more you know electrifying. So I'm just I'm here to like have that uh, assist them in their in their brushstrokes and using the wave as our canvas. And mm. also you know as dance is a form of artist. Um, it's an art form as well. So we, I have my ballerinas and I have my ballerinos to, to move more elegantly, eloquently, um, you know, on that platform um, with flair and speed and a vibrancy and, and, and um, um, inspiration. So all these, you know, these are the key words um, to, to maximize my students' uh, fullest potential and these are uh, keywords to, to ignite and trigger, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I've heard of these coaches terminology of we use certain triggers, you know, with certain students, I'll use a uh, certain noises and certain things to, to trigger mm -hmm. that artistry on their canvas to move faster, to throw more spray, to be more powerful and to be more inspirational. I want to play a soundbite from the world of art history. This is the uh, CEO of the Museum of Contemporary Art here in Los Angeles talking about a painter, Mark Rothko, who specialized in big waves, if you will, big canvases. But I want you to listen to what he's describing is when you are in front of this painting, there's a difference between seeing a painting versus looking at a painting. And I want you to tell me if there's a similarity to when you have a student look at a wave versus just seeing the wave. Let's play number 14, Steve. <laughs> 
In order to see the road code, you have to look at the road code. And looking means that you need to stop. You need to slow down. You need to let the vibration of the color affect you. You don't do that if you just see the road code. It's easy to see a road code. It's difficult to look at a road code. Like the energy between the viewer and the painting. It's like that, that space, like that space where this thing is happening. It's almost like that's the work of art. So Doug Silva, is there, is there a space between the surfer and the wave that you're trying to tap into? Uh, yes, uh, the, the lesson uh, really starts when we are on the beach and we watch the, the, the currents and the movement of the ocean. We, we look at the white water. And um, yesterday, I remember um, teaching a student after the wave, after the wave broke, there was this, this white water behind the wave, this, that, that white sort of hmm. foam after the wave breaks. And that, that's like a, a thread. It's kind of, um, it's like a Google map, so to speak. It's a thread of the, the symmetry of where the wave, wave breaks, where the shallow spot is, where the deep spot is. So not only do we see the wave or look at the wave, we look beyond the wave and look behind the wave and, and hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's footprints hmm. um, after the wave broke. And then watch how it moves to the left or to the right and just really studying the pathometry and the nuances of each particular wave and each particular break. So we're not like, you know, I gave an analogy yesterday. You know, there's the uh, Caspian Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, the, um, the Red Sea, but we really want to operate on a, on a frequency and an urgency so that we don't end up in the Dead Sea. So we're just really <laughs> hyper... <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's we're, a we're just play really hyper focused, hyper sensitive, uh, and just absolutely tuned in to the highest level, really. So the greatest that, basketball well, coach, yeah. Doug Silva, of all time was John Wooden. And one of the things he was noted for, this comes from Bill Walton and all the guys who played for him, they were all, all Americans in high school and now came to UCLA. The very first thing John Wooden did was tell them, okay, boys, I need to teach you how to put your shoes and socks on correctly. And they would look at him going, are you kidding? I'm an all-star basketball player. I don't need you, coach, to teach me how to put my socks on. And he said, no, because if you don't put them on right and roll them on your foot the right way and not have any creases, you're going to get a blister and that's going to affect your game. But I believe it was about pointing out, hey, fellas, you think you know how to play basketball? You don't know anything. I'm going to teach you everything from the ground up. So I want to ask you, Doug Silver, as simple as paddling the surfboard, this is where I've heard you break it down where you tell this world-class surfer, I'm going to even teach you how to paddle the board properly because you're doing it wrong. Do you get that basic with your students? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, like I said, again, it starts at the beach. We check our, 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 our leashes. We check our fins, 
just like as John Wooden would check the shoes and the shoelaces. And it just all starts with um, engaging at that moment. So we're just not distracted. And um, so as we do paddle out, we'll move with the ocean seamlessly, use that current. And we want to be, you know, to move efficiently. We want to, you know, there's a certain body positioning that we use. And there's a certain stroke that we use where we're using our lats um, and using our elbows up in the air and like not so much reaching forward as everyone would get shoulder injuries. We're not using our shoulders. Shoulders is just a hinge to, to use some of our bigger muscle masses, as you would know, doctor. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just, we would use uh, some tests. We would jump out in these giant beach breaks and see who would get out faster. Um, I think we did this with Kelly Slater a couple times up in Pupakea. And we would start on the beach and see who would get out faster. We'd play these little games of if you bail your board, it costs you $5. If you break your board, it's $25. If you get out first, it's like $50. So we'd have these little incentives to get out the fastest. So hmm. both Kelly, Ty, and I together collectively have found this um, wonderful way to paddle through the water and to catch waves with, uh, more effectively, more efficiently without um, straining our shoulders and picking up waves really fast and easy. So at some point, Dr. Clapper, I'd love to come over there or have you come over here and just run, run you through my program for a couple of hours. I would love that because Michelangelo is dead 500 years. I can't talk to him about sculpting. I can just try and copy what I see he did. Yeah. But to be able to have a living, breathing Michelangelo teach me how to surf would be the greatest honor. And you don't have to schlep here. I will come and visit you. You know, when I think about the beauty of Hawaii and the fact that you now make this your home, it always takes me back. I'm a Jewish guy from New York. What do I know about the spirit of aloha? But you know what? I may be from a different place, but to make the world a better place, to the kindness, to give back, I can tell in your voice that you beautifully have adopted, and maybe we'll give your stepdad the credit for that because that's how he raised you. But that spirit of aloha, to, to do good just for goodness sake, this is why your students listen and hang on every word you say. You're really special, Doug Silva. I wanna thank you for making the time to be with us this morning, for teaching us how you teach the greatest in the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Dr. Clapper, it was a pleasure. And I really look forward to meeting you over here. And I look forward to sharing some more thoughts and time with you on your great show. So thank you thanks so, so much, much and aloha and for your kind words. And have a wonderful, great day as I watch the sunrise here on the North Shore. <laughs> thanks again for getting up so early. That's the great Doug Silver. You can tell he's a teacher's teacher in the world of surfing, but also in the world of life. There's something special about living in the moment. Remember what I told you, the beauty of surfing is the nose of the board is your future, the tail of the board is your past, but because the surfer stands in the middle of the board, he learns, he or she learns to live in the moment. And that's all you can do. 
The future is out of your control. The past is already done. You've got to live in the moment. And surfing is what teaches you that better than anything else I've found. All right, Warriors, coming up next, the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's the best medicine? Besides chicken soup, <laughs> vitamin C, <laughs> green tea, <laughs> prunes, uh, yeah. shot whiskey, <laughs> not around here. What's the best medicine? I cannot wait. We call it clafter. <laughs> Dr. Clapper calls this guy. He says, I got bad news and I got worse news. Guy says, give me the bad news. Doctor says, you got 24 hours to live. The guy says, what could be worse than that? Doctor says, I've been trying to reach him since yesterday. Clafter. <laughs> Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Cells are just tiny people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Great Van Morrison. Power of being big. I'm not quite sure how that song relates to it. Steve Paulette. Brown Eyed Girl. Oh, that's why. Because it's a brown eyed girl. We're talking about colors, but Mark Rocco did. All right, I got two callers, Brian and Joe. Joe, stay on the line. Let me take Brian first. Brian, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Good. How are you, Brian? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Okay, I got to do today's show was absolutely amazing. Um, what a wonderful day for me to listen in with the surf team. Um, but I got to get a couple things out of the way. Business items is first of all, I got to tell you how much how much myself and my family how we dearly love you and adore you, and more <laughs> importantly, too. how you gave me my life back. To your sculpting uh, of my new shoulder and my new knee. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying the kind words. I appreciate it. Listen, I became a doctor to meet people like you. So thank you. Well, I'd like to tell you I got broken to beat beat you, but that wouldn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm going to do this. I I have an actual medical question for you about the the total knee replacement we did here earlier. uh, earlier the uh, last year, 
Um, my shoulder that you did a year ago is absolutely phenomenal. It is perfect. I cannot believe my life with it. In paddling, surfing, it's not a problem. Oh, you know, I just we just need I just need more time in the water to build up uh, a little bit more strength. But yep. because of the knee replacement, I've kind of been a little bit limited to try and get myself back out to the water. Mm-hmm. So my question though is, I have now been starting to do a lot of mountain bike riding, and mm-hmm. I will tell you, it's mountain bike riding is great. It's it's got that same kind of feel when you kind of go up the ledge and you you send it down the hill as riding <laughs> bigger waves. But the question I have for you, the medical question, and I'm going to tell you something in a second, is. Um, how hard can I push my new knee on the bikes? As hard as you can. There's no restriction. You will not hurt it. Okay. Okay. So I mean, you, you like you spin up a you spin up a two mile hill and you're ready to just fall off the bike and die. And then you know you, it does you get everything hurts a little bit when you're 55, I guess. But exactly, um, it's the stuff it's, out of our control that you will have pain from. But you now have a new gorgeous smooth surface that duplicates what God gave you initially, even though you have Chevrolet parts in there when God gave us cartilage and bone, but it's the best we can do. And you may hear about new stuff on the horizon. You know what? Not so fast. It needs to be tested in people for a while before you say it's the next great thing. But for now, this is built. I put that in to last the rest of your life, and I put it in for you to enjoy your life, to play tennis, to ski, to surf, to ride that mountain bike, and you go for it. I love it. And I'm going to just share with this is the the reason why today was so special. Your show is again. I'm just a longtime surfer. Last weekend, be, because of my shoulder and because of my knee, I can now get back out in the water. I just mm. picked up my new 11 foot Channel Islands uh, Mavericks board, <laughs> and I am now starting to train. And every morning I get up, I stream Mavericks, you know, on Surfline, mm. and I always check out Sea Street just in honor of you. Um, but I am now getting able to start to get myself into the training to get back into the water. And my bucket list is I'm going to surf maps and it's all because of you. Well, for me, it'll be great. One day you'll meet me up in Ventura and the two of us will surf together. That would be my bucket list. So let's make that happen. Absolutely. But I just want to tell you for any of your listeners is thank you very much. Uh, You are a miracle worker. You gave me back my life. Um, and I am so enjoying my life with my kids. And I mean, I just can't thank you enough. You're, you are, it's a beautiful thing, Brian, to be able to make the world a, li- a better place one person at a time. And what a joy it is for me as a surgeon to be able to meet people like you and say hi to your family. And thanks so much for being a loyal listener. You brightened everybody's day today. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you. God bless you. Doctor. God bless you. Okay. All right. Let's go to Joe. Joe, you still there? You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, doctor. How you doing? I love your show. Been a long-time listener. Thank you so hey, much. Listen, listen, last year I was in an accident where I got hit by a truck, and um, I was on my road bike. So, How young are you, and what do you do for a living? I am 48, and I'm a lifeguard. Oh, wow. Um, oh, my God. Okay, cool. So, So... The shoulder MRI came back, and it was pretty much unremarkable. There was nothing much there. There was no tear in the in the shoulder cuff, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But the doctor said that I have some kind of little, like, uh, descending bone in there now. And uh, he wanted to shoot it with cortisone, but I said no, because, you know, I'm a longtime fan of yours. <laughs> Good. Which is yeah. another reason why all the other people may be hating me, because they've got patients now seeing them going, 
No, Dr. Clapper says I can't have a cortisol. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care. You know who I care about? You, Joseph, and all the other listeners. Don't let them give you those shots of cortisone. Have I ever given one? Yes, for an event. My, I got to walk my daughter down the aisle. I got to go to Italy for the first time. To get you through an event, sure. But to do it as treatment, no. It messes with the local immune system. The only infections we ever see are people who've had those shots. No, no, and double no. Stay away from it. But I will tell you this. The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. I appreciate, Joe, that you had an MRI that didn't show much. But I see no sense in shooting you with cortisone because you have a normal MRI and you still have pain. Obviously, they're not seeing what you have. And some things are subtle. For example, what if you stretched a capsule in the ball and socket joint of your shoulder? What if you stretched the capsule or you stretched the structure like the labrum? That's been injured. But if you look at the MRI, guess what? It doesn't see stretch. It doesn't know that there, particularly since it's a while after the injury, you don't see edema or any swelling, but you'll have persistent pain. So it's not a perfect test, which, which right away gives doctors who are aggressive a license to say, yeah, I don't care that it's normal. I still want to operate on you. I don't want it to be known that Dr. Clapper said, you don't have to listen to the MRI. No. It's a very beautiful test, but the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know from the radiologist who read it to the orthopedic surgeon who's looking at it in his office, his or her office. That's where I have the problem. You got to take a history. You got to examine that patient and you add to that workup of the patient with an MRI. This is not you have to now give up the experience of the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. You gotta figure out what's going on. Yes, you need to exhaust conservative treatment. You need to go to physical therapy and exhaust that route. But if that's happened, that's a whole different story. So you're a lifeguard. Joe, it would be my pleasure if you want to be your lifeguard. At your convenience, you'll call my office. You win the prize today. You tell him I spoke to you. You don't have to wait three months. You'll come see me, and it'll be my pleasure. Bring your MRI to guide you through this morass of everything's fine. Let's shoot you up with cortisone. It'll be my honor and pleasure to help you. Great, great. Thank you, doctor. All right. Now I want you to do, well, you're a lifeguard, so you don't have to find a total stranger. That's what you do for a living is you take care of total strangers. (laughs) God bless you, uh, Joe, for all that you do for us to keep us safe at the water. And I look forward to helping you if you need me. Thanks so much for calling. Right. God bless you. All right. All right, Warriors. We'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show. Coming up next, a short segment. I got to tell you where that chocolate is. And I also want to tell you about next week's show and Dak Prescott. You need some clapper vision of what happened to his ankle and why I think, Cowboys fans, you better sign him because he's going to be fine. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Laughing and running, hey, hey, skipping and jumping. It's good to be king. 
Right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clappervision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Hey, Robbie, do you like donuts? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I love donuts. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You heard that promo about donuts. If you know hearts, you're called a cardiologist. If you know nerves, you're called a neurologist. If you know donuts, you're a donutologist. Donutologist. And that's what I am. And where's my favorite donut? Go visit her in Ventura. Good time donuts. And say hi to Sue. Tell her Dr. Clapper sent you. She'll get a big smile on her face. She makes the great. There's a donut that she makes. Hope they don't run out. Called a buttermilk bar glazed it's an old-fashioned way to make a donut a buttermilk bar glazed you take one bite of that donut you close your eyes you you just go to heaven immediately that's what i'm going to be eating on my way to heaven is a good time donuts buttermilk bar glazed Mm -mm -mm. and i told you with topic today is all about big the power of big in art in sports in surgery well I love chocolate, and my favorite chocolate bar is dark chocolate from Belgium. Putting an almond in it is not a bad idea. The biggest, the power, the special power of being big in the chocolate bar, well, it's right here in L.A. at Trader Joe's. Oh, God, I I buy blocks of it because this candy bar is a pound. Can you imagine buying a candy bar? You could buy a Nestle's Crunch Bar, a Hershey Bar. How about buying a chocolate bar that's a pound? But you can get them. But get the dark chocolates. It's healthy for you. The dark chocolate with almonds at Trader Joe's. The chocolate is from Belgium. Crack a piece of that. Know that it's good for you. And enjoy the ride. Just like Kai Lenny racing down. The face of the wave. Doug Silver teaching him how to paddle, how to do it right. Teaching Kelly Slater. We had such a great guest today, the great Doug Silver, because he's a teacher's teacher in the world of surfing. Next week, we're going to be talking to another great teacher, a foot and ankle expert, because I'm dying to figure out what happened to Patrick Mahomes' toe. 
What kind of surgery did he have? And I got a great clapper vision to share with you. The great Tim Charlton from Cedar sinai one of the directors of the foot and ankle program. He is amazing. He's been a guest before on the show, but I want to talk to him with lots of clapper, clapper vision about your big toe because that was the injury that probably cost Patrick Mahomes the Super Bowl. So I can't wait to do that, and that'll be next week. As far as clapper vision of Dak Prescott, why did he have another operation in December when he had the fractured dislocation in October? So here's my breakdown of Dak Prescott with some clapper vision. Also, by the way, is the same for Gordon Hayward. Similar injury. So your car drives up the, the driveway and goes into the garage. The garage has two walls and a ceiling. And the car beautifully fits into your garage. What if there's an earthquake and the earthquake causes the ground to rotate? So the car inside the garage, ceiling, walls on either side, rotates. Well, the car is your talus bone, the ball and socket joint that's in your ankle. That's the talus. The rectangular garage is the bone above the talus, the tibia, the medial malleolus, and the little bone fibula makes up the lateral malleolus. Literally, it looks like the rectangular structure of your garage is the lower portion of your tibia and fibula. That's the garage. And the car is the talus sitting inside the garage. Well, if an earthquake comes and rotates the car, just like Dak Prescott's injury, if you look at it on YouTube, his ankle rotates. Well, the front of the car breaks the wall. That's the fractured dislocation, plates and screws. But the reason he needed surgery in December is because the tail of the car, the other end of it, hit the front beam of the garage. The side wall got broken, that's the fractured dislocation. But straining and stretching and bending the beam in the front of the garage is called the deltoid ligament of the medial malleolus. And that's what was tightened up. That's what this latest surgery was. Look at how beautifully Gordon Hayward has returned to the game of basketball. That's why I can tell you, Cowboys fans, have no fear. Sign him up. You'll be seeing Dak Prescott leading the Cowboys. And I hope Jerry Jones signs him because there's, he's a special talent, Dak Prescott. And he has that X factor of being a born leader for his team. The Cowboys will go someplace with Dak Prescott. And thanks to orthopedic surgery, he'll, it's not a career-ending injury. He will be back. Those beautiful tools that we have, which we'll learn a little bit more from my guest next week, Dr. Tim Charlton. But that's what saves the day yet again, which is why it's so much fun to be at the forefront of my world that I love so much of orthopedic surgery. Thanks so much for tuning in. I leave you with Volare. I'll see you on the radio. Nel cielo infinito Volare Cantare Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Posts 
one of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. <laughs>